0: Welcome back again to the next Visible podcast from the Southwark Playhouse, London. If this is the first time you've joined us, I am Claire French, Director of Outreach at Visible, which is a theatre ensemble creating new and provocative work featuring older people about love, life and death in later age. I'm rather excited to bring to this online domain a post-show discussion that I had with Roundelay director Anna Ledwich and movement director Diane Allison Mitchell about their close collaboration in realising this fierce and physical new play by Sonia Linden. Hello,
1: you're
0: welcome. On my mind when I first saw the show was what was your process um, to be able to somehow integrate the internet scene and the naturalistic scene? You've got these very dynamic movement pieces and then very still at times naturalistic scenes. I and mean, how did how did you go about
1: that? What was your process to begin with? Uh, yeah, it was one of the big questions I had when I first read the script because it was very vividly written by Sonia in terms of these big movement-slash-circus moments. And then these scenes which are incredibly tender and intimate, and so my head is like, how on earth do they live together without it feeling really jarred? You sort of swap from one to the other. And so those, that was the basis of the initial conversation I had with Diane. We first met up and started plotting. Um, yeah, thinking back, how did we sort of work through it, I guess? Um, part of it was... Trying to bring um, a movement language into us really, really quickly. So, for the first, well for the first week, in fact, it was discovering. Yeah, first two weeks, discovering the parameters of the, the the actors we have, the movement that they were up for or could do, and it began that way in terms of constructing the intimacy. This was an organic process in terms of how we went out of them and then into scenes, because the scenes themselves are quite straightforward, but then we would find elements out of the movement work that informed the scenes kind of quite unconsciously. So what felt like a, I don't know if people might disagree, but what felt like it was a huge um, sort of block in my head in terms of how the two come together, but began to sort of work through quite organically. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I think I'd add to that. I think I think really what was our anchor for some of the intimacies were the scenes. So they were guiding us. So whenever we were coming out of a scene or when we were going into a scene, then those two things would start to inform the intimacy. And I think we had a lovely anchor in them in that we had this circus motif. So we had the narrative and want to keep driving the story through those breaks in between, um, but also play around with the fact that we sort of are in our circus and start to define what that was for us and in relation to all the characters
0: what was the first moment that really worked for you during the process where there was something in perhaps the movement scene which which linked back with the straight
2: scene yeah i think the first week we just played with the actors physically for every morning for the first week and, and I remember though, one of the six things we did was look quite closely at, um, we did like a workshop on touch. So we set some clear parameters around where we wanted to touch on each other's bodies, what we wanted to touch each bodies with, and different ways of touching. And then we explored, or they explored with their scene partners, um, all those various ways of touch. And I remember um, very early on that um, Annie Fairbank and um, EJ, who played, Evelyn and Daniel, they had a way of just sort of connecting and moving and touching together which was quite different to um, uh, Enzo and Doreen who were playing Gina and Frank who straight off the bat they were just in there and very close and very passionate and you could start to see a sort of movement language coming out of that and how they might fit into the scenes and also there was a wonderful moment where we explored touching with different parts of the body and two of the male casts were touching with their cheeks and rubbing their cheeks together and I remember I turned to to Anna and said I think that's something and I think there's a place for that in there somewhere so it sort of started to just reveal itself to us through the processes that we'd put in place to explore the work
1: Yeah, I mean I think that, that what you set up in the first week was very clever because there was one exercise you could ba- I think banter in which one actor would just make a physical offer and the other would have to counter that and so what evolved out of that was a whole range of physical movement which were, you know, sometimes these hilarious non-verbal conversations um, sometimes quite moving, sometimes quite passionate, so the sense of how two human beings interact with each other without words was, was quite useful just again in how it would inform the, the actual scenes that were, were written, so it all began to sort of bleed in in, in quite useful ways did this help the
0: actors also form their characterizations? Did they start to dialogue with one another?
1: yeah, I mean there was I remember that in there there was a week where we had uh, time with each of the scene pairs, and they essentially can cons- just rift physically rift around using you know a set of rules and techniques that Diane had worked with them in the first week but that was very helpful in in creating history for the partnerships, because part of the thing we were also trying to get a sense of is can we parachute drop into these worlds and immediately have a sense of relationship and history and you know all those like delicious stuff that makes you believe in a character and believe in their relationships? So actually that physical partnership work was very useful in in just a shorthand straight away. And because they were all physically manhandling each other right from the word go, it it did accelerate a degree of relationship which was which was very useful and they were brave and, in, and entirely um gung-ho so there was wasn't a huge amount of prodding trying to keep them under control yeah, i know <laughs> they were really quite prodding happened naturally <laughs> yeah it was a bit like a circus sometimes is <laughs> the
0: <laughs> um, and how did you enter sex and sexuality in the space?
1: Well, I, as Diane said, I mean, uh the physical work helped a lot with that and also setting parameters and saying, okay, where's where can we touch? Okay, yes, lower thigh, no, da da da. Yes, tummy, no, you know. So that everyone felt safe that no one was going to suddenly grab a boob or something in an inappropriate way. So, um that was, that was sort of set up. Um, but to be honest, I mean, a lot of it was also unspoken as well. It just came through, I think, the trust that was developing through their um, physical work and then just into what the scenes themselves required. But we did... You know, there were certain things we had to navigate, so there is as was written, say, for example, the scene between Frank and Gina, where he has his heart attack at the end. Um, As as Sonia had written it, and Sonia's here in the audience, it was um, that they actually were having full sex, and he he climaxed and and, uh, and had the heart attack then. And so there were certain practical things. We had to go, okay, so... (laughs) Okay, so, you know, we're in the round. There's no furniture on the stage. Uh, we're going to deal with pulling down trousers and oh, and then there's an underwear thing. And da, da, da. but actually, through the, through, the, through the work, we discovered that, that he could have his heart attack without having to, you know, literally do the act as such. It conveyed the sense of the idea and the intensity and the passion, the sense of the desperation, the need for these two to connect one last time without necessarily having to go the full um, Monty. So um, there was <laughs> um there were certain uh, you know interesting conversations to be had around certain moments on the opposite end, you know the scene between Evelyn and daniel um you know well i don't know can we say about the one note that we gave to Annie was <laughs> <laughs> it's just a note I've never given ever in my life, but don't
2: come so quick that was <laughs> i like, that I've never given that note before but um, um yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean i I would actually add to that and say that I think actually you sort of look at it because it's a sexual act and you, you your first impression that it's it's that you worked on it in a physical way, but actually, I think we found it out of a lot out of discussion with the actors about the characters and about what they think about the scene, so I think those moments we kind of sort of batted between each other. Anna would offer something, I would offer something, they'd be offering something, and we'd be constantly trying it out and mechanically working it out and teasing it out until we found what worked for everyone. Um, so sometimes it doesn't necessarily come from um, the physical moment. I remember with, um, with Annie and EJ playing Evelyn and Daniel, there was a lot of discussion about... Um, does he pleasure her? Is that his decision? Is that her decision? Is it a joint decision? And so, so those things are the things that really inform it as well. And then once you make those decisions, and I think the physical response to it can come quite quickly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> pun the pun.
0: Um, and that scene particularly, I, f- I find it must have been difficult to find a place when he leaves the bed. Because if he were to leave too early, then you start to think that he might be using her. Um, So that must have been a challenge in scenes this size to reach this level of intimacy. And how did the movement or the intimacy link with that and make it easier to to find those spaces? Does that make sense?
1: (laughs) It does. I don't know how directly. I mean, I think probably... I mean for that moment that was never actually really talked about I don't think it just came about with a natural sense of timing and and how how to exit the scene and I think you know just picking up what Diane said because we're being we're trying to be really careful and finely calibrated in terms of it who n- that no one feels that anyone's exploiting any other if you know what I mean that she's not exploiting him and he's not exploiting her it's very sort of mutual in a way um but perhaps, yeah, you know. But I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating here. But perhaps there was a sense of a, an unconscious understanding of, like timing, in the sense of how to move in and out of scenes was was being fed by the movement work potentially, um, and also you, once you begin to put it all together it's how one runs into the other in moments where you want a breath and other moments where you want to kind of keep the momentum going and it's a bit like a piece of music in that respect it's it's knowing where there's a, a sense where we all want to just sit with that moment and i think that scene is one of those moments where we just want to oh i just digest what's just happened and not be sort of plummeted into something that's you know abrasive and wacky so yeah
0: Yet often it is abrasive and wacky. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, in the best of that way possible. Too, yeah. <laughs> the best possible taste. Yeah.
0: And that's um, that brings me to Claire, I suppose, um, who we're all drawn to um, night after night. Um, she she in a different way. How did you go about directing her, and how did you work together in terms of understanding what she is to the audience and to the performers?
1: Well, there was always a sense with The Ring Mistress that a lot of it wouldn't fall into place until we had the whole show put together and then certainly in front of an audience. That was always going to be the missing element that we wouldn't quite know how that would work until she was... And the wonderful thing about Claire is that she's really unafraid and she... um, and a lot of lot of the the quirks and peccadillos and choices are very much hers. It's a, it's a very crafted characterization performance that comes from her. And she would just come in and try stuff. And and to be honest, I was very indulgent and just let her sort of <laughs> do all of it. <laughs> um, and just at certain points, just go, okay, we know we need to now move on. Um, but it, it is you know it it it's it's her own peculiar, wonderful, striking creation. Um, and uh in a way she does unify the whole show so that when things do go off course <laughs> which you know they occasionally do uh she she she's she's so responsive and present and and there to be able to step in like a true ring mistress so um i think we've been incredibly lucky to to have her on the show
2: and i again i i
1: we didn't spend all that much time together we had um
2: one kind of dedicated session and we played around with lots of different personas and um, thought about what kind of physicality came out of the many voices that she was finding um, for the ring mistress Um, and we did definitely have a discussion about the role of Um, of a ringmaster or ringmistress and I remember saying um, you know, they control the whole circus anything goes wrong, anything is off course they are there, if an act doesn't come on and you don't have any idea why you just get the next act on and I think she's really taken that to heart and um, it's been incredible watching um, audiences slightly nervous um, at the presence she has and and she really is running it as um, a ringmistress and I I think it really adds a lot to the show She's
0: m- amazing. Tonight, the bed went. Oh. <laughs> you missed it, Anna. <laughs> yeah, I heard.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was brilliant. <laughs> um, I might open it quite early to Q and A, so that we can just start a discussion with you all. Anyone like to go first? Yeah.
2: I was just going to pick up on the point about the ring mistress, who I thought was brilliant. Um, I noticed. That she, clearly it's in the writing, but also in the direction. The one character who addressed the audience, which meant that we could, um, we could jump out of the action and then jump back, she could direct us back in. But I also noticed, which I thought was very effective, was that she was miked. Is, was she the only one that was miked? But the mic seemed to have a sort of echo, which gave it the feeling of a large auditorium. So that was,
1: I thought that was really clever.
0: Thank you. Would you like to respond to that
1: Uh, well yeah yes she was Mike and part of that was a tiny bit practical but also it does give her a sense of slight otherness to everybody else and and we we'd always play with this idea that you know this circus is it is it real or is it a conjuring is it something that she she evokes and that each day perhaps it's different, and a different bunch of performers, and with a different focus. I mean, that was our kind of private little sort of wondering about it. So that you know, she's she's miked to be heard, but also it does lend that quality of um, slightly otherworldliness and showbiz, which she sort of dips in and out of. So.
0: Thank you. Would you like to say anything, Dan? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, anyone else? Oh, hello, Mr. Robinson. Have been named.
2: Um,
0: yeah, um, one thing that struck me was the um, the diverse nature of the piece, the uh, the, the combination of circus, and and uh, including uh, including the aerial st- stuff um, and uh, dance and music, and then theatrical scenes which are like could have been out of a play. And I just my question really is. How did you manage that without it? It seems a bit risky to me that it could fall apart, um, a, a bit like a, a sort of Lego thing that hasn't quite been put together properly. So I did, how did you manage that? Because I think you did, but I just wanted to know how you did it, if you know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
2: I Because you don't think about it in separate parts, I guess. Um, you have a story and you're always... I mean, Sonia's written uh, the most fabulous script, I think, we think, and you're driven by those stories. So it doesn't really matter um, if you're in the intermezzes, or you're in the scene or you're thinking about the music. I think you're constantly thinking about how do we keep driving this story forward? How do we learn more about each of the people in these scenes? Because. As Anna was saying, we just sort of parachute drop in, but how do we give some context? And so you're using the music with that, and we have some beautiful music composed by Max Pappenheim. Um, we have those intermezzies, and sometimes they were f- feeding the moment just before the scene, sometimes they were the mom- moments after, sometimes they were a st- stream of consciousness or thoughts of the people in the scene. So as long as we kept you know, coming back to what we were trying to say and find out about each of those characters, I think it helped us to think holistically um, rather than as separate entities that we sort of had to weave together. It, I think you've said it beautifully,
1: yes, but it is very much like spinning plates, yeah. in, in all honesty. It, it is, because you have these elements which is, a, you know, a, a, a rogue ring mistress, and then you have the the silks which is which was a world I'd never encountered before so I was engaging with Anna Simpson who who is the aerial artist and what that means and and then there is the element of live music which was was in rehearsals that has its own requirements and needs um, so there were many messy uh, difficult rehearsals in trying to to knit it all together so. Uh, it's trying to get to that sweet spot where everything is working as it should do Um, but it is like sort of I don't know like a Marx Brothers sketch at at times trying to just keep everything going until the whole thing lifts off Um, maybe I've erased it from my mind in a sort of act of self-preservation I don't know (laughs) thank you
3: um the uh, oh hello uh, <laughs> the scenes um well the kind of in between scenes where you had the cast coming on and sort of doing some steps especially at the end where they had particular uh, particular kind of dances that they were doing were they uh things that you developed with the cast like through sort of workshopping or was this something that you kind of brought in as through like research from somewhere does that make sense Is that a good question? they're written into the script Oh, cool. They're in uh, the, the script. The, the specific <laughs> steps. That Not they the would do, steps, but yeah. the, the dances. Cool. Um, and did you like, work them out with the cast as you went, like, as a sort of workshop, like kind of developing yeah, them with well them? We,
2: well, like, w- d- d- yeah, well, yeah, different for different ones. Yeah. So, for example, we had um, a slow lombarder or what I call a Lombardazouk, it's known in South America, uh, Into into the that was written into the script. Um, and we did spend some time looking at that and thinking about it. And I decided to throw them a challenge and say, I want you to create your own. Um, because I didn't think we had the time and the space mm-hmm. to really get the essence of yeah. that movement. And so we watched it and picked out Well, I picked out some of the things that I thought were key things, and they did too, and they sort of made their own version of it. Um, And then um, with little Kaylee at the end, it's written in the script that all the relationships have to spend time together in the dance. We see all the couples. So um, that was more choreographed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the waltz was driven more by we're trying to demonstrate this world of chaos that is starting to develop in the character Betty's mind and her needing to understand and remember the things she needs to remember. Um, But we wanted to start it with something. It was written into the script that there was potentially a waltz there. Um, But we wanted to set up something really soft and light before going into this playground suddenly all of a sudden. So um, and that that was a little bit more choreographed but then with no particular... Well, there was actually partnerships written into that in the script. We needed to see her with her two husbands. So there's a bit of improvisation. There's a bit of choreography. um, Some of it's written into the script. Some of it's led by what we're moving on to next. So there wasn't a a fixed Mm -hmm. method. I think each one had its own um, requirements.
3: Yeah, it felt very much like they kind of owned the steps. That's why I was curious to see how they how they got there, because it felt like it came quite organically from them, which was
2: nice to see. Yeah, well, we had to had to had some real drilling rehearsals, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but most of the time, certainly at the end with the Kaylee, we felt that you could we could just yeah. enjoy it and it not be about that. Yeah. Um, whereas waltz it was a bit more about the steps. um, We had a lovely moment with our... uh, We have a little horror, like a Jewish horror dance at the beginning when there's a wedding, and... uh, everyone loved that and did it really well and they did it very, very diligently. (laughs) And we said, well, it doesn't really happen like that in weddings, you know, people just sort of join in when they want. So my note was, along with don't come too quickly, was mess it up a bit, mess up the dance. And then it got so so messy, we had to like, okay, rein it in and you you need to respect what I told you to do. (laughs) So um, yeah, so they're all different and they each had their own life in a way.
0: Thank you. Anyone else? There's some more movement students here that might have some questions. Mm. <laughs> no, I won't push you. Anyone else? Okay. I'd very much like us to put our hands together for Anna Ledwich and Diane Allison Mitchell. That brings us to the end of another Visible podcast. We're beginning to get a little sense of this new oral landscape and indeed very interested in continuing this engagement in the wake of the show. Do get in touch with us at infovisible.org.uk at if you have any burning ideas about what you think should be next on our radar. For now, I bid you farewell.